It is so good to see you tonight, and uh, I've been looking forward to um, especially this message. Um, as you probably already can tell, even though I kept on messing up on the songs tonight. You guys notice that? I messed up on a song last night. I sang the wrong bridge to a song, like a bridge for another song. I sang, did you notice that last night? Uh, well, I didn't notice it until my wife told me. <laughs> it worked, it did, it did. I, I love to worship. I, I love to worship, and, and uh, I, I think especially on, on family night, um, as, we, as we kind of focus on worship, I think, I think worship is vital for the family. You know what is vital for the family is because that's what we are when we're worshiping the Father, right? We're worshiping Him, and we're, we're seeking Him, and we're um, loving Him, and He's obviously loving us, and what, what a beautiful picture of the family there. But what, what an awesome God that we serve. Um, I want to tell you about a, uh, a trip that uh, my family and I went on. Um, it was a pretty awesome trip, a once-in-a-lifetime kind of trip. Uh, we were able to go to Costa Rica. It was really, really awesome. And uh, we, we hadn't got to go anywhere um, uh, because of COVID and all that stuff. And so that was our first real vacation in, in a little while. And, and man, it was awesome. And we had an, an amazing time there. And uh, the views, and we were out. We weren't on the touristy side of Costa Rica. We were, we were on the mountainous side of Costa Rica. So we were in the mountains and were surrounded by monkeys. I mean, there was uh, howler monkeys. Um, they sound like big, humongous apes, but they're just these little bitty things, you know. And, uh, it, you know, we kind of a little bit freaked out by that, um, it was, it, but it was pretty, pretty neat. And um, there were, you know, mango trees around the house where we were staying. It was just an amazing, an amazing trip. And uh, I, didn't, I didn't go there specifically for some sort of, of, of worship time or, or something like that. And actually, we were planning on going to church on Sunday, but because of COVID restrictions, they didn't have uh, church. And so we couldn't go. And so on Sunday morning, um, Angelina and I and the, all the kids um, sat around the pool. And um, we, we just had our, this house to ourselves, and, and we were sitting around the pool, and we just began to name different songs that, that are, are meaningful to us, worship songs. And we would play that song and we would sing through it. And, and uh, man, the, we, we were sitting, sitting out there and we were, we were singing our, our favorite worship songs and um, out in the distance through the, the, the jungle and the mountains, we, we saw the Pacific Ocean. And I'm just, I'm not saying all that to brag. I'm just saying that was an amazing opportunity to worship. When I was able to, to see all of this, the vastness of God's creation, right? All, the, the, all of, of God's creation declaring his glory. It was just an amazing thing. And while everybody else was singing, I, I sing for a living. I mean, this is what I do, and I could not sing a note. And it was, it was just as God was saying, I want you to participate in worship a different way today. I want you to join in creation. It was just an amazing time. There was a, another time. Uh, Sam and I are um, the fishermen of the family. Sam, if, if he could be fishing right now, he would be fishing right now. If you go smell his hands, they probably have a little hint of, of fish on them. He loves 
to fish. And uh, I, I, I booked a, a, uh, a, a fishing trip. And uh, it, was, it was going to be awesome. The other kids were supposed to go, but they wussed out. They just would not, they didn't want to go. They wanted to sleep in. They just, um, Adrian was scared that she was going to get uh, uh, seasick. And so they stayed home. Sam and I went out on the ocean. And, and uh, Sam got to, to reel in a, 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 this humongous sailfish. It was, it was awesome. We caught a 100-pound tuna and caught several tuna. But there was a moment, and but before we began to catch any fish, we're, we're going out on the, on the ocean, and, and uh, you know, I'm from Oklahoma. I'm, I'm just a country boy, right? Um, my, my version of, of water is Lake Hudson or Fort Gibson. That's where I like to fish, right? Or the ponds, really. I'm more of a pond fisherman myself. And so we were out in, a, in the big pond, <laughs> you know what I mean? And we were out there, and, and we're going across the, the water, and the guides that were with us, they were kind of getting concerned because we hadn't caught any fish. And, and we're going along, and these dolphins were swimming along the side of our boat. And I was geeking out on this. <laughs> this was the coolest thing I had ever seen, and they would jump out of the water, and it would, it would be like five or six feet out of the water, and they would just spin like that and then they go back into the water and we were just surrounded by these dolphins and the guides and the the other folks were were so worried that we weren't catching fish and I didn't even care I was watching the dolphins this was the most amazing thing ever and 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 no joke um not to to over spiritualize something but I was sitting in the boat watching that and I was thinking you know what those dolphins are doing exactly what dolphins were created to do. With me? They were doing exactly what they were created to do. They were created to swim. They were created to jump up and spin out of the water. They were doing exactly what God had created them to do. And while I was sitting in the boat, I, I thought about the passage, and this will be the first passage of the evening. It'll be in Psalm um, 19. If you'll turn there, I, I began to, to think through this passage and, and realizing that I was watching this psalm play out in real time as, as all of God's creation was declaring the glory, uh, his glory. I was able, because I was in a new environment, to see God's glory in a, in a different way. And so, so when, when, when I was watching all of this happen, I, I, I thought about this passage. Listen to what it says. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them has set a tent for the sun which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber and like a strong man runs his course with joy. It's rising from the ends of the heavens and the circuit of the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple, and the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart and the commandment of God of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. You know what I was experiencing out in the middle of that ocean? I was not just experiencing dolphins and, and all of this, this new stuff, but I was able to see God from a new perspective. It wasn't in a worship service like this, 
It wasn't sitting in pews. It wasn't, it wasn't uh, with a guitar on my hand or a Bible in my hand. But listen, the general revelation of God was so evident to me in those moments. My prayer is that you might have a moment like that tonight. That you might have a moment where you realize that if you, it, when you begin to grasp who God is, it is overwhelming. We don't get him. And we try to put God in this small box to where we can understand him. Listen, tonight I hope that you can see God in a fresh and a new way. Tonight I want to show you what worship is and what worship isn't. So grab your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 18. We're going to look at two men. Both came to the temple to worship, right? Both of them came to do the same thing. They both came to worship God. And we're going to look at the two types of worship or the, the, the two types of, of offerings that they brought to the Lord. This is one of, again, I, I think I always say that about every passage that I preach about. This is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. I love it. And so grab your Bibles again. Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 9. And again, we're looking at two different people worshiping. Listen to what it says. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. And he goes like this. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners and un I am uh, unjust and adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give tithes to all, out of all that I get, but the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me. I am a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. We see two men, and, and if you were going to, you remember back when you were in junior high and um, there was two captains picking teams, right? If you were the captain, you would pick the Pharisee before you would pick the tax collector, right? I mean, he had all the credentials, and he knew about it, right? His prayer is an indicator of his heart. I'm going to give you an example of what he prayed. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, thank you that I am so good-looking that you created me so smart and so superior to everyone else. You've created in me so many talents and abilities that, that I am just, God, I am so good, and so I thank you that you created me so good. You did such a great job in creating me. Thank you, God, that I am so good in all that I do, and that I tithe, and I go to church, and I lead. And Are you with me today? The Pharisee was praying to God, and he was really not praying to God, but he was praising himself. You with me? A pretty arrogant and prideful prayer. Oh, God, thank you that I'm so good-looking, <laughs> right? That's not worship. That wasn't about God at all. But then we see that prayer of worship contrasted with the tax collector. And we see the Pharisee right up at the, at the front of the building just praying this loud, obnoxious prayer about how good he was. But the tax collector who his sin was evident to himself and everyone else, beat his chest. And so, Lord, I am unworthy of you. 
I am unworthy of your grace and your mercy, but I am in such need of it. Jesus said this about the two. The one man left the same way that he came in, but the tax collector, he left justified. You know what justified means? It means just as if you had never sinned. Are you with me today? When we see the comparison of the two, the two types of worship, we understand that the Pharisee had all the credentials, and he, maybe he had all the knowledge, all the understanding, but he didn't have a right view of himself. And because he didn't have a right view of himself, he didn't have a right view of God. Are you with me? But the tax collector, he had a right view of himself. He realized that he was in desperate need of a Savior, that he was a sinner that is in need of forgiveness, and he had a right view of God. Oh God, I just need your mercy. I just need your grace. See, to understand worship and to, to be a worshiper and to be who God has created us to be in our, our worship, to be true to the Lord, we must have a right view of ourselves and a right view of God. See, the part of, of, of understanding who God is and having that right view, is, is, see, it's, it's, it's easily misunderstood and it's, it's easily um, forsaken. Because don't we, one of, the, one of the things that we argue and fuss and fight about is, is worship in the church, right? It's one of the biggest things we, we argue and fuss and fight about. Worship isn't about us. Worship has never been about us. Worship is about him. Worship is about, about declaring his glory, singing his worship, not our own. Having a right view of ourselves and an understanding, at least in our limited capacity of understanding how perfect and holy and righteous and awesome and amazing and powerful God is. The tax collector got it. The Pharisee left the same way he came in. So we've seen how, what worship is and what it is not. But I also want to take you to another place in the Old Testament. I want you to turn to the book of Isaiah. Again, you probably aren't going to know what I'm about to say, but this is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. It's one of my favorite passages of Scripture, especially to preach. Because in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah comes into the presence of God, right? He comes into the presence of God. And have you ever wondered, what am I going to say when I come into the presence of God, right? What it, and someone actually asked me the other day, what would you say if, you know, what, what's the questions you would ask if you, uh, you know, come to the presence of God? And the, some of the questions that, um, I'm the chaplain of Bradford Christian School in Pryor. And uh, so I've asked that question, what would you ask God? And some of them would say, well, God, why did you make mosquitoes? It's a great question. I don't know. I don't understand. Um, and I think that we stayed on insects for quite a while after that. But there was a lot of really important questions, right? You might be one of those people that asks, God, why does bad things happen to good people, right? Why are so things so difficult in this world? And, you know, we, we can look in the Bible and realize the answers to those questions. But can I tell you something? When we stand before God, there will be no questions, right? When we stand before God, can I tell you something? He's not that little grandpa God that we've, we've created in our image. He's, he's bigger than that. He's more awe-inspiring than that. Let's look at what happens when you come into the presence of a holy, awesome, and amazing God. 
In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 through 8, it says this, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seating, seated, on, seated on, upon the throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple, and above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, 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 is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook, and at the voice of him who called, and the house, of, house was filled with smoke. And I said, God, why did you create mosquitoes? The very first thing that he said was this. Woe is me. Does that sound a little bit like the tax collector? Remember that? Does that sound just a little bit like the tax collector? beating his chest saying, God, I am unworthy of you. Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. The one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and whom will go for us? Then I said, Here am I. Send me. What an amazing passage, right? When we understand that Isaiah was, was um, a little background information. Isaiah was in a real transitional period in his life where the king that he once served had died. There's a new king that was about to, to, to reign. And so this was a time where many, many people that served the king would be destroyed or would be cast out of the king. He didn't know where his place was going to be. He didn't know what the future held. And so he was coming to God saying, God, I, I, I need your help. I, I, wanna, I, wanna, I need to know what to do and how to handle these situations. And he came into to the presence of God. And the very first thing, and we're going to see six things today that I think uh, happen when we come into the presence of, of a holy God. And prayerfully, that's what our worship is, right? We're coming to the presence of God. The very first one is obvious. It's worship. Because even before Isaiah said a word, the angels of heaven were singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Are you with me today? What a beautiful picture of, of not only creation, or not, um, the, the earth and what we experience as creation, but the heavenly host of angels declaring the glory of God. Worship. The second thing is conviction. Listen, the very first thing that Isaiah realizes is, oh man, I am in trouble. Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the king. The, very the next thing, the second thing that we see when we come into the presence of a holy, awesome, amazing God is conviction. We recognize that we are sinful. You know what happens um, as soon as we, uh, what should happen as soon as we are convicted of sin? It's one of those words that's not used in the church very often anymore. It's repentance. Listen, if God has made you aware of your sin, 
thank him for it. Are you with me today? One of the most amazing things that God does beyond the cross, right? The cross is this, this beautiful act of love and mercy towards us, right? We get to experience salvation because of the cross and the resurrection. But can I tell you the next act of love that God shows us beyond the cross is this, when he can convicts someone of their sin, right? That, that lost person is convicted of their sin and drawn to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and is given salvation. That's, that's one. Or, or even for the believer. Listen, conviction is never fun. I don't know about you, but I don't like to be wrong. I argued with my wife last night about singing the wrong bridge of that song, and I was wrong. I don't like to be wrong. Conviction is painful, and it, and it hurts. But can I tell you something? When God convicts a believer of sin, what he's doing is he's making a way for that relationship to be renewed once again, right? So that we can live in the abundance and the blessing of God. And so we see conviction, and we see repentance, repentance he says for i am a man of unclean lips and i dwell in the midst of unclean people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the king so we have worship we have conviction we have repentance and the next we have forgiveness it says behold uh, this has touched your lips your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for Thank God for his forgiveness. Thank God for his forgiveness because I don't know about you, I am in desperate need of it. Thank God for his forgiveness. And then finally, no, not finally, two more. We see the next thing. Um, after, and notice the, the series of events that have happened, right? We, we come into the presence of God. We're convicted of sin. We repent of that sin. We're forgiven of that sin. And now the next thing that we, we see is the commissioning. God is sending out and he says, whom shall I send and who will go for us? That commissioning, that calling on the believer's life. Listen, God did not save you to sit your bottom in a pew somewhere. You with me today? It's good to be in the house of the Lord, right? It's, it's great to come to church, but God did not save you just so that you sit on your tail end in a pew somewhere and wait for glory to show up. Are you with me today? God saved you for the purpose. We talked about it last night. Saved you to be the church, to be the hands and the feet, the being part of the active body of Christ, doing what he's created us to do and declaring his glory and drawing other people to him. There's a commissioning. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And finally, there's a response. There's a response. Isaiah could have said, oh, that's scary. God, I don't really know if I'm the right guy for that job. God, I'm not sure. Can you choose somebody else? But instead he says, here am I, send me. Can I tell you, we see the most beautiful picture of what true worship is in this passage right here. We see conviction and repentance. We see forgiveness we see a commissioning, and we see that, that, that commission and, and the service that comes from the response of, of total submission to him. Are you getting it tonight? This is such an amazing, beautiful picture of what worship really should be. It's more than just singing a song. It's more than just coming into a certain time uh, uh, um, in the church building. But it's, a time, it, it's something that we should be doing every single day. It's a way that we should live. It's what we should do. Worship should result in a response of submission. And then finally, worship is a choice that we make. 
turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 26. In Matthew chapter 26, um, again, we find another beautiful act of, of worship, another uh, an, an amazing act of worship. Have you noticed that the only time that we were, we were actually inside of the church for any of these worship times was the, the Pharisee and tax collector? That Isaiah wasn't, wasn't in, the, in, in church. He wasn't in the temple. He was, he was brought to the very throne room. Here we find a living room setting. And can I tell you something? Families, um, husbands, wives, fathers, uh, mothers, grandparents, can I tell you something? Um, if, 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 you could, if you can lead worship in your home, can I tell you something? That, that there's nothing sweeter. Like we were talking about, uh, like I was talking about at the beginning, when we were sitting around the, the, the pool and, and singing songs, we weren't in a church building. It didn't require a pew. It's the most beautiful thing to hear a family sing, and a fa- family that shares the word together. In Matthew chapter 26, starting in verse 6, it says this, Now when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a, a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask, a very expensive ointment. She poured it on his head and re- as he reclined at the table. And when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this could have been sold for a large sum of money and given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you trouble this woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, but you will, you will not always have me. In pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it, into, done it to prepare me for burial. Truly I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. There's some, there's some, the, some understanding that we need to grasp from this. First thing is, is when she came into that room, didn't matter what anybody else thought, all pride was aside, she bowed down before her Savior and she began to worship. Notice also that it cost her something. This was something that was, was a very expensive ointment. It was a very expensive ointment, so it, it cost her something. So her worship cost her something. Notice that, that there was not a discussion of a style of worship. It wasn't even a song. It wasn't, again, in a worship time. Um, it, it wasn't a, a stereotypical time of worship. Just an intimate moment of surrender and sacrifice to her Lord. We see this beautiful picture of, of, of this act of worship. And, and I, if you could just, for a moment, just place yourself in that room as as through your senses you begin to, to watch as she breaks this alabaster flask of, of ointment. And she begins to, to pour it on her Savior's feet and on his head. And as she begins to, to pour it on his head, you begin to smell that aroma of her worship filling the room. You with me? That, that you begin to smell the, the, the effects of her worship in the room. All the pride was set aside. Other passages of Scripture speaks of, of a little bit more detail of how she, she wiped her, his feet with her hair. Everything else was, a, was, was set aside. The disciples were like, what are you doing? He said, leave her alone. What an amazing, beautiful act of worship. Tonight, as you bow your heads and close your eyes, can I ask you some questions? What does your worship look like? 
What does your worship smell like? Where does your worship happen? You are a, a singing church. I've enjoyed singing and worshiping with you. You guys are good at it. But can I tell you something? There's more to worship than just singing. Are you living a life of worship? Parents, are you leading worship in your families and, and, and modeling worship before your, your kids? Grandparents, are you, are you leading your families in worship? Is the aroma of your worship filling your homes? Are you setting pride and arrogance aside so that God might be worshiped and praised? Does your worship result in complete surrender to Him? The music is going to begin to play. And my prayer is that you just spend some time worshiping God tonight. Oh, thank you.